are no formulas, no definitive how-tos for growth in the inner character of Jesus. Such growth is a way of relentless seeking, but there are many things we can do to place ourselves at the disposal of God. And if with all our hearts we truly seek him, we shall surely find him. Dallas Willard. Our world continues on, faster and busier, and we are reminded that our souls were not created for the kind of speed to which we have grown accustomed. Thus, we are a people who are out of rhythm, a people with too much to do and not enough time to do it. Rich Theodas. As long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed, superficiality, and distraction, we will not be the people God longs for us to be. Rich Theodas. I am convinced, however, that our constant activity is fruitless without first making that humble act of kneeling to pray. I am convinced that prayer is not only our greatest privilege, but also our greatest source of power. Pete Gregg. Even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel, chapter 2, verse 12 to 15. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James chapter 4 verse 8. Well good morning. Good morning here in Oakville and across all of our locations. It's so good to be together this morning. I am so personally excited for what we're about to engage into. This is week two of our Resolution series. And as we uh, postured last week, always January is a time to just kind of set ourselves well with rhythms and intentions collectively as a community and something that we really as leadership, as your pastors, as your teaching team have sensed as we step into this new year is to lean into something called solemn assembly. And so we are taking this month of January through this teaching series to talk about what it looks like to continually make space for what God would have to say to us as we intentionally lean into conversation and confession and time with him. And so uh, that's what we're doing. We're spending some time learning together the biblical principles of solemn assembly. And I'm not up here alone. In fact, I'm not even really teaching today, which is even more fun. This right here, I want to introduce to you. This is Peter Robelin. Uh, he is uh, with us today. And I want to introduce him to you. I'm really eager to share a little bit about who Peter is and what he's going to share with us. So we're going to say a few things about you. Peter comes to us as a seasoned pastor in the GTA, and he'll share a little bit about that. He currently is the president of the Cheris Foundation, and you hold many titles, pastor, president, but also husband, father, grandpa, which may be more important. So I'd love, whatever you want to speak to, tell us a little bit about you, Peter. Yeah, so would it be weird if I just talked about our granddaughter? <laughs> no, it'd be very understandable. <laughs> so yeah, um, our little girl, uh, 10 months, and it feels like we're in a new season of life. It, it's just been wonderful uh, to welcome her into the world, and uh, she is our delight and our joy. Uh, and every moment we get to hang out with her is it's kind of healing. I don't know if you know if that, what that feels like, but it's actually healing 
uh, to um, spend time with her. Uh, yes, married 44 years, two lovely daughters, both got married in COVID, uh, during the COVID years, and um, we're, we're doing well. The Cheris Foundation, uh, I've been with the Cheris Foundation uh, for 12 years, and we come alongside of Christian charities that are uh, based in Canada, but do work all around the world. So I, I have this amazing opportunity to hang out with gifted men and women who are doing incredible work all around the world, helping to see God's kingdom come. So, and then, yeah, I was a pastor for 30 years. <laughs> you know, no big deal. And also, and this is the fun part for me, Peter was my very first boss when I stepped into ministry. So I have known Peter and his family for 15 years, and my first job as a youth pastor here in Oakville at another church, the guy who hired me called me sh about a week after he hired me and said, I'm actually moving on, and I'm not going to be your boss anymore. There's going to be this guy, Peter, that's going to be your boss. And I can tell you guys, never has there been a gift of grace from God than to be able to work alongside and be mentored by... Yeah, right? Like the legacy of ministry. So it's sort of even just personally this full circle moment to be up here with you. And for all of you, for the things you appreciate in me as your pastor, you can probably thank Peter. And for the things that you're not thankful in me as your pastor, you can maybe thank Peter for them as well. So uh, we've asked Peter to come and share because part of your significant time in pastoral ministry was at another church here in town where you leaned into this idea of sacred assembly and we want to learn from you in that, uh, what that looked like for you, yeah. what your experience in that was. And so yeah. that's why Peter is with us today. So we're going to sort of jump right in. So Chartwell Baptist Church was the church where you pastored for many years. Yes. And I would love for you to just ask, why, like, why did Chartwell decide to call a sacred assembly? What was going on that led you to that decision? So before I get to that, just so that you know, there is a special place in my heart for this amazing woman uh, and delighted um, with all the grace and the blessing that the Lord has placed on you and in this position here with the meeting house. So you guys are like really blessed. <laughs> so <clears throat> Charwell Baptist Church, you know, by, by all kind of standard metrics, we were doing pretty well. Uh, our, our church was full. Uh, we were in the early stages of embarking on a multi-site church growth strategy, and that was going well. And we were meeting budget, and we were kind of had good favor with the people of our community. And yet, and yet we were feeling spiritually dry. Uh, we, we were feeling like um, the passion had gone. It felt like more and more that, that we, so pastors included, uh, and our, our leadership team, and, and the people, it felt more and more like we were attenders. We were attending Sunday morning. We were maybe attending a small group. Um, but somehow the joy of being a follower of Jesus and actually having that be a difference in our lives from day to day, some of that had kind of seeped away. And this was first identified by our leadership team. So men, women, and some of the, uh, of the congregation and some of the senior staff. And uh, after several months of praying about this kind of, what's going on here? Why do we feel so kind of lethargic in our spirits? The idea of a sacred assembly 
started to come to us. And there are many places in Scripture where there's call to prayer, there's call to lament, there's call you know, to cry out to the Lord. But nowhere uh, in Scripture other than in Joel chapter 1 and 2 do we have a really definitive uh, understanding of what this sacred assembly is all about. The nation of Israel is in a mess. They have wandered far from the Lord. And God is calling them back. And we read in Joel chapter 1. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Wail, you minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from your house, from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land of the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. And then in verse 16, has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. And when we read that, we realized a couple of things. The joy and the gladness was gone. And that was, that was naming what we were feeling. <clears throat> and that the weight of the responsibility for addressing this condition really fell on the leaders of the church, to the pastors and to the elders. They were to call a sacred assembly. And then in the second chapter of Joel, we, we get a little more detail about what a sacred assembly might look like. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. Those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. And when we read, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity, this call to a sacred assembly felt more like an invitation from a God who wanted to restore his relationship with us and not like a vindictive God who was wanting to punish us. It felt more like an invitation. And that's mm. why we called a sacred assembly. And I love that focus on the invitation that yeah. God who's in relationship with each of us calls us to himself. Yeah. Okay, so you decided to call a sacred assembly. So how did you prepare for it to happen? Yeah, so we spent several more months after the, the leadership team decided that th this is what we were going to do, we spent several form, um, more months in prayer, 
in listening, in discerning, and discussing how this might actually happen. There's a ton of prayer that went into this because we we had never done this before. We we didn't know how to make this happen. Uh, We communicated a lot to our lay leaders and to all the people who called Chartwell their home. We preached about sacred assembly. We preached from Joel. We preached from other passages. Uh, We talked about how the pastors and the elders were feeling this spiritual lethargy, this, this dryness. And uh, we, we talked about the fact that we seem to be missing that, that joy, that, that, that passion, delight in the Lord. And our hope was that everybody would show up. But even if just the leadership showed up, we were going to do this thing. And so this is kind of, we started to map it out. We were going to shut down programming, all the programming. We had a lot of programs. We were going to shut down all program, programming for an entire week. And then each evening, we were going to gather at 7 o'clock. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We were going to gather at 7 o'clock. And we were going to focus on a time of worship on a time of listening prayer. Uh, We were going to have a short devotional, not preaching, but a devotional to to humble ourselves before the Lord, to prepare ourselves to listen to what he might have to say to us. And we were going to make sure that we had some prayer people available for anybody who wanted to receive prayer. But other than that, we didn't know how this was going to kind of play out. We really didn't have much of an idea of if God was going to show up, how he was going to show up, how things were going to work. The, The time of listening, this kind of reflective listening, ended up being a really crucial part of what we did. And we would spend extended periods of time, 10, 15 minutes in silence, listening for what God might have to say. And it wasn't listening in a vacuum. We were kind of asking questions like, Lord, why are we feeling so spiritually dry? What's that connected to? How come we don't have that joy, that delight? Is there something that we're doing or not doing that we need to address? What are your next steps for us in following Jesus. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we, we prepared, how we kind of got ready for this thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so you're prepared. It happened. Tell us what happened. How did the week progress? What ended up happening the first time you guys did this? Yeah, so the first night, to be honest, was a little underwhelming. <laughs> um, the leaders were there. Um, the church was maybe 60%, 70% full. The worship was good. Um, the time of listening was good. Um, people kind of got some words from the Lord and shared those. And there was some good prayer time. Uh, but it was kind of like, eh, it was like it was okay. Um, but there were no kind of lightning bolts from heaven. There was no... Um, directive that, that, you know, nobody was just kind of overwhelmed with anything. It was just kind of okay. Um, People did respond to what they heard. 
and there was some movement and we were allowing for, you know, whatever you hear the Lord saying, respond. So some people would come up for prayer. Some people would go to other people for prayer. The, you know, the Lord kind of directed them and said, I, I think I need to get you to pray for me. Or they might be going to a, another person in the congregation and saying, I think I need to apologize to you. And um, could we just pray together? So there was some good stuff happening. At the end of that first evening, we, we debriefed. And, and I recall this general feeling of being just a little disappointed. But each day built on the other. And the worship began to get more vibrant. And our times of silence became more sacred. And um, it was amazing to watch hundreds and hundreds of people sit in silence and wait for God to speak. I'll never forget those moments. Um, as people responded out of the, those seasons of waiting, uh, there was more and more activity. People began to overflow in tears of lament, of sorrow, of regret, of joy. And people were just going back and forth uh, they were coming up to pastors and apologizing. Pastors were going to people in the congregation and apologizing. We were praying for each other. Um, others were continuing to worship. Uh, people were just sitting in silence or kneeling or lying down on the floor and just sitting in what God was doing. And as God's spirit kind of began to fall, uh, during those sacred assembly evenings, word began to filter out and people began to come in droves. So by Wednesday, the church was full. By Thursday, people were standing along the sides, on the back, like hundreds, people on the floor in, in front of the, the pews. Um, and there was this energy, this, this excitement um, and people couldn't wait for the worship to start. You know how sometimes you're, you're, you're at a concert and the team, you know, they're, they're not coming up, the band's not coming up and people start to clap and cheer and, and then they just want to compel them to come. It was kind of like that. It had that kind of energy to it. Some of the most vivid memories uh, for me include those times of silence that I mentioned. Uh, and, and I had the privilege of uh, facilitating some of them. So kind of like here, I'm up front and I'm looking at you and, and your faces are turned up towards the Lord. And there isn't a peep for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. It's kind of like hardly anybody's even breathing. It was just incredible. Another vivid memory was our children. Like our children started to come, high schools and elementary school. And, and they kind of claimed um, the front pews right over there. And that was their turf. Like, really? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. And then the baptisms. Oh, my goodness. We weren't preaching baptism. But people began to repent. People began to come to a new faith in Jesus People who had been believers felt like they needed to renew 
their commitment and they wanted to be baptized. And so we decided on Friday night, that's what we would do. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we're not a big church, but we had 19 baptisms on Friday night, more than we had had in many, many years put together. And there were still people who wanted to be baptized. So the following Sunday, we baptized another seven or eight more. And what can I say? It was a party. <laughs> the joy and the delight was back big time. And then just one more uh, memory. So we, we started at seven on Monday night and we had kind of pegged maybe two hours. That should be enough. And it certainly was on the Monday night. Um, by Thursday night, we were into midnight. <laughs> Friday night, we were into 2, 2 a.m. Like, it was nuts. Um, it was just incredible. Uh, one of the most exhausting and exhilarating weeks of my pastoral ministry. Uh, it's so beautiful, right, to hear stories of making space for God to come and show up without much expectation of, we don't know, and to just see how he fills the space and the room and the hearts and the lives of those that are engaging in sacred assembly. What a really, yeah. what a really cool marker in your ministry journey. And then to be able to share that, I think is, is important and significant for us to hear that. The stories of those that are around us and the ways that they have responded to what God has put before them. So kind of as we wind down, Peter, I would love to know, so then what, what thoughts do you have for us as a church as we're learning about and heading into this idea of sacred, sacred and solemn assembly, by the way, we've been calling it solemn assembly. It's, it's the same. Uh, the scriptures in Joel do call it sacred assembly, but what words would you have for us as a church? Yeah, there's, there's so much that, that I could say, but I really want to encourage you and commend you for moving in this direction. And as you enter your sacred assembly, whatever that might look like um, here in Oakville and, and in the other sites, uh, come with an open heart and an open mind to receive from Jesus whatever he might have for you. Be expectant. Don't be fearful. Be open. Not filled with excuses why this isn't going to work for you. And if I might be so bold, it's actually not about you. <laughs> and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And the invitation of Jesus is to bring all of you, all of you, all of your laments and sorrows and shame and regret, all of your hopes and expectations and desire, bring all of you to meet with Jesus and let Jesus do his good work in and through you. Um, I, I, towards the end of last year, I was using um, the, the devotional app Lectio 365 as a guide through, through Advent. And one of the stories uh, in that, in that uh, guide was about the Apostle Peter and Jesus on the beach. This is after Jesus has been crucified, after Peter has denied him three times. Jesus has been resurrected and there's this little beach breakfast thing happening. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? 
And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. After a horrible season in Peter's life, where he denies the Savior three times, and then sees the Savior killed, tortured, Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? At the end of an incredibly difficult year for, for you here at the meeting house, the question is not, was 2022 a good year or a bad year? The question is not, how have I grown or not grown through this challenging year, through these difficult circumstances? The question that Jesus has for you is, do you love me? And it isn't a test. It's an invitation. Do you love me? And that's the heart of sacred assembly. It's not about getting more teaching or finding a roadmap for the future. It's not about a strategic plan for recovery from what has been a very challenging time. Sacred assembly is about spending time with Jesus who asks you in the deepest, most profound and sincere way, do you love me? And it's an invitation. It's not a test. Thank you for those words. And I just want us, uh, wherever you're engaging with this teaching, to just take a breath for a moment and sit with that truth. Hmm. Uh, the God of the universe, who has ordered and created everything, says to each of us individually, I'm inviting you into relationship with me. And I'm inviting you into a space of sitting with me and hearing from me letting me transform you from the inside out and teach you more about what it means to love me. Hmm. And so Peter, I'm going to ask you to pray for us in a minute, but just as we uh, just want to speak to us as a church community for a minute, as we've said and postured, as we talk and learn about solemn assembly, this is the first year we've collectively done this as a community. I know for so many of us individually, it's relatively normative to sit in prayer with Jesus, to hear from him, to, to listen and respond to what he's saying, but there's something very significant about doing it corporately as a church. And, and we say this first year that in some ways we're sort of just dipping our toes into the waters of solemn assembly. And that's the expressions of how this plays out across each of our locations, across our sites, including our online community are going to look different. Uh, different locations have different ideas of how we want to engage in solemn assembly through maybe some additional prayer times, through questions at home church. So you're going to want to engage locally and find out what this means for you in our online community. Maybe there'll be some opportunity through our Discord chat or through the online chat to just continually engage co collectively. Also, another resource that we will be providing for you by the end of this month is an individual guide to sit and to practice and to learn more about the the, the steps through solemn assembly and to do that individually too. So our hope is through this month that you're not hearing, hey, across everywhere, we're just gonna do this deep dive in all together. We're learning, we're humbly opening ourselves up to what God might have and the expressions of that will look different. But I hope that all of us hear the same words that this is an invitation to go deeper in relationship with God. 
Another thing I just want to put in front of all of us, as we culminate our Solemn Assembly Month in this time of teaching, I want to put a date in your mind. On February 4th, collectively as a church, we're inviting us to gather together. You would have heard us by now talk about through the fall that we're working on gathering and curating the story of our church. And we've, we've, uh, we have an external consult that's helped us do that. We've done a lot of talking and interviewing with those that have been a part of the church history from, from its inception. And we really sense that this is kind of a next step for us in our journey as a church, in our journey of healing and in our journey of discerning what might be next. And so there'll be more details coming, but February 4th, we're gathering. Hopefully many of us can come together in person, but if you're too far from our production site in Oakville, it will be available online to sit with the story of our church and make space to celebrate where God's faithfulness has been so evident, to grieve and lament and repent for the things that we need to in our church story and to open ourselves up to make room for what God might have to say. So that's coming on February 4th. Peter, would you pray for us as we walk out of today and continue in this month of learning around solemn assembly? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your invitation to come and spend time with you. I pray for your hand of blessing and protection and healing and wholeness and freedom and release that we all individually and collectively might um, learn a little bit more about who you are. Learn a little bit more about who you've called us to be. And Lord, as you're doing that, would you um, provide spiritual protection, spiritual cover against all that the enemy would seek to do just to mess with us. Help us to receive the fullness of your grace and your goodness. And for anyone, everyone, who needs a little more joy and delight in their life, may we experience the joy and the delight of the risen Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.